Welcome to the 16th episode of the Passioners Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Garcia, and I'm here with my co-host, Janice King. Today we have Christine Cotton, founder of the nonprofit Porch. Porch is a volunteer nonprofit hunger relief organization that provides healthy food and other assistance to thousands of families in poverty. And just to start off this whole interview, could you introduce yourself a bit more and talk about your nonprofit? Yes, thank you both so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Uh, My name is Christine Cotton. I am the founder of Porch Communities. Porch Communities actually started 10 years ago as Porch Chapel Hill. It was one chapter locally in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. The model of neighbors leaving food on their porches and having other neighbors come and pick it up and bring the food to the food pantry um, took off within the first year. uh, Neighboring communities um, wanted to start porch communities in their neighborhoods as well. So over the past 10 years, we grew. And just this past year, um, we firmly established porch communities as the umbrella organization for all chapters. So we now have 17 porch chapters across, uh, mainly on the east coast of the United States. Wow. And uh, why did you start this organization? And how has it grown or changed over time? Sure. So 10 years ago, it was two friends and myself. We were actually sitting at one of our um, our children's basketball games. And I was saying how my son was bringing in sandwiches for a friend. And he was continually bringing in food for a friend. And my other friends were saying how they were bringing food into a food pantry. And we were thinking, we live in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. We didn't know that food insecurity was prevalent, to be honest with you. So when we did a little more research and realized that it truly is, you know, across the country, it's everywhere, we decided we wanted to do something different about it. So that's when we decided we were going to ask a few more friends to join us in donating. We started with cans of tuna, um, donating to pantries in in North Carolina. And so um, we realized that if we asked a few friends and they asked a few friends and the model just grew like that. So um, the biggest thing that we did learn, it was taking the barrier of having folks bring the food to the food pantry. There's very generous people. People are generous. They want to help. But it was that one extra step of buying the food, getting it in your car and then delivering it to a food pantry. And by taking that away and picking it up from the porches, that's what made the model so successful. And what would you say are the biggest differences of running a nonprofit and running a profit business? I think the biggest difference, I think business is business and nonprofits that we like to say are businesses as well, but in nonprofits, um, your workforce is volunteers. And that without a doubt is the largest difference. So, um, while people are dedicated and your volunteers are dedicated, you do rely on people who it's not their primary focus, right? They're not coming into work every day to do this. So um, it's working with your volunteers, making it easy and flexible you know, with your volunteers and um, thanking your volunteers because they deserve it. What would you say is the biggest myth that people have about nonprofits? I think a lot of people think that nonprofits are these small little organizations and that they are run by, you know, one person maybe in a in a small, not well-lit room because there's not a lot of expense is what I think because um, there are a lot of not small nonprofits. Or the flip side of that is that there are these very large nonprofits with very large um, budgets and a lot of expenses like American Red Cross and bigger ones like that. And I think they get a you know, kind of a, a bum rap as well. So I think there's a lot of misnomers around nonprofits. Does Porch pay its employers? So Porch has 17 chapters, and of the 17 chapters, three now have paid executive directors. 
So it's, um, it's a little bit of a shift. It's taken a long time to get there, but um, much needed for these chapters to grow locally in their own communities. And how does Porch make a profit? So people either leave non-perishable donations on their porches, which go directly to the food pantries, or they can leave um, either cash donations on their front porches or through our online portal. And that's how um, Porch has some of its profits to, to continue its work. Porch also relies heavily on grants. We do a lot of grant writing to, um, for our overhead. I remember when you came to our class, you mentioned that Chapel Hill has the most nonprofits in North Carolina and that the top six employers are nonprofits. What about Chapel Hill's community supports the nonprofit environment? Because the community, especially during COVID, I think that was a really good test to see, um, like put your money where your mouth is. Um, Chapel Hill as a community has tremendous support for its nonprofits, which is why I believe there are so many nonprofits locally. And as I said, you know, nonprofits are based also on the volunteer workforce and the community really comes out to, um, to support whether it's making financial donations or to volunteer. What is the hardest decision the organization has had to make recently and how did you evaluate the trade-off? Sure. One of the hardest was during COVID, um, locally in Chapel Hill, once a month, you know, we serve 500 families and those families would come out um, to pick up a bag of non-perishables and also um, a bag of fresh produce and eggs, milk. And during COVID, we did not have access to pretty much anything. So we had to shift to a model where we were mailing the family's gift cards. And for us, that just didn't, you know, it didn't feel right. The whole point of Porch is we gather with our volunteers, we gather with our families and to have to make a shift and be mailing gift cards, you know, didn't feel in the Porch spirit. But at the end of the day, we realized folks needed the support, whether it was coming, you know, to our location or whether it was through a, a mailed gift card and we did that for a few months and it truly made a difference. And again, the initial decision to do it was not easy, but looking back, it, it was the right decision to do. Oh, I didn't know that you guys also do like dairies, like milk and eggs. Could you describe in more details how that works? So do people just, they, they can give out like perishable food as well? Right, no. So what happens is, is that um, folks leave out the non-perishables and those are divided up and they're given to pantries or to the families that we serve in our Food for Families program. And the cash donations that we receive, um, we then go and take, the chapters go and then take and they buy um, local, fresh, either fresh produce. They'll go and buy milk, eggs, and whatever it is that they're putting in their family's bags, chickens. I'm kind of referring a lot to Chapel Hill since Chapel Hill is the flagship and they started the Food um, for Families program. So that's how they do it. Gotcha. So after you buy those food with the money or the food that you collected from, you know, good people in the Chapel Hill community, do they direct, do you directly deliver it to people in need? Yes. So we learned early on that the three of us, um, myself, Debbie and Susan, my co-founders of Chapel Hill, that we were not the experts, we're not social workers. So we would not be qualified to select the families. So we work directly with the school social workers and they, to the Chapel Hill Carborough City Schools, and they help identify the families. And 10 years later to this day, they still help identify the families. So through utilizing that resource, we identify the families, there's forms that they fill out, and then once a month they're sent a reminder postcard, and they come to a certain location to pick up um, their food. Makes sense. 
And you just briefly mentioned how you don't have the social worker experience. And so we're wondering what your past experience of like career experience was before starting Porch. From our research, it seems that you have 25 years of business experience. Could you describe more in depth about that? Sure. So I started in the pharmaceutical industry. And um, this was after I, I went to school. I have a master's in cell biology and wanted to do something I was thinking at the time in the medical field. And I ended up doing clinical research and pharmaceutical development. And through that, I got more into project management and operations and found that that was a strength of mine. I really enjoyed doing that. And then at, that was out when I was living in California and through how life changes, I ended up moving to North Carolina and I moved a whole pharmaceutical facility. That was my job was to move the pharmaceutical facility from um, North Carolina, I'm sorry, from California to North Carolina. And then when I got here, I had the opportunity, my first opportunity to start a nonprofit, the Children's Fund of North Carolina. And that was a big shift for me, but it was very exciting to be starting something new. And that was probably 20 years ago now. So that was, um, that's how I got into nonprofit. And... So in the beginning, you still worked at a job. And then uh, when, how was the transition? Do you work full-time in nonprofit now? So now I, I do. Um, it's interesting. My nonprofit work, I have to say, that was all unpaid um, nonprofit work. But I do say that I do work full-time um, at, at Porch Communities. I also do consulting work on the side. Right now I'm working for the um, Chapel Hill Carbo City Schools consulting on their food for students program, which has helped feed the students through the pandemic. And prior to that, I've worked on different projects, mainly in the um, service learning area. That's again, one of my strengths because that connects the students to volunteer activities. So it's all been the past 20 years, I guess, has all been around opportunities um, in nonprofit. So you say that Porch has been around for 20 years. How do you see Porch in the next five or 10 years? Yeah, so I said Porch has been around for 10. My previous was for 10. So uh, Porch is, what, where Porch is headed into the future is the new model through Porch Communities. And our goal at Porch Communities is to help establish chapters across the country. Since the model is so easily replicated, we are finding that the word of mouth is helping Porch to spread. And over the next probably five years, we're hoping that if we put a more concerted effort towards our marketing and encouraging folks and bringing this model to, to different communities, they will be able to help locally. So that's our goal is to really get our, the word out there and spread our mission. It's definitely a grassroots movement because it's a person in a community actually have to start a chapter and then people around the around that person and inside the community needs to needs to chip in and be able to get the chapter rolling. Is that how Porch works or do I have it completely wrong? Spot on. You you have it right on. There have been a few times over the past 10 years where I've gotten phone calls from communities and community leaders, mayors, you know, small towns saying, we love this model. Can you bring it to our town? And the answer is, I can't bring it to your town. If you have someone who'd like to start in your town, I would love to help them get started. I have all the tools to help them, but there needs to be a leader within the town to get it started because it doesn't, it won't work otherwise. We couldn't even go and put I don't even think we can go and put a paid person in someone else's town because it's all about community. It's all about networking and that's how, how it grows. So um, we always say to you, there's someone who's willing, someone who just wants to learn about porch, let us know. We'll share all of our materials with them. That's, that's what we do now. So that makes sense. So could you describe in more details about that process? And um, I guess 
maybe I can break down the questions into several questions so I don't overwhelm you with like five different questions. <laughs> How big are the chapters? What is the smallest chapter you have and what is the biggest chapter you have of so people involved? Sure, one of our smallest chapters, well, a lot of the smaller ones are one main person, one founder. They start on their own. They start, um, I always say, if you can find a friend, great, but then start on your street. It could be three houses, five houses, 10 houses. That's how you start. So your first month is going to be very small. And with patience and with time, you know, a friend on this street will tell a friend on the street over. Someone will be in school and talk to someone else's, you know, parent or another child. And that's how the word, how the word about porch spreads. So most chapters, all chapters start very small with one, with one street. And then they grow, you know, over time. Some grow very quickly. We have a porch, it's called South Brunswick down by the beach. Um, in North Carolina, and they've grown very, very fast. In others, it takes, you know, more time. We have a new chapter that started in Chicago, Illinois. It's so exciting to watch them because, right, that urban setup is so different, right, from a, a smaller town in North Carolina. So it all depends on what works in the community. And again, we always say it's patience and start small. And what is the role of each of the leader? Do they send out weekly emails or do they, are they the one who's picking up the food? So their main role is to be the organizer and the, and, and the overseer of the chapter. And so we provide them with sample emails. And then what they do is once a month, they send an email to hopefully to their coordinators who will be the ones who manage each individual street. And those coordinators then take the email and forward it on to the neighbors on the street. And then it's a neighborhood coordinator who will go around and pick up the food and bring it to the pantry. Gotcha. I see how horizontal the system is. It's not like there is someone in the top and it's like a pyramid. Everyone has their own community that they work with. Exactly. So we have several outro questions that we have prepared. First question is, what, is ad what one advice would you offer to someone interested in starting a nonprofit organization? In nonprofit, you have to be passionate. Whether it's some people can do it unpaid the way I do. Some people, you know, of course, this is their career and the finances need to be there. But um, for the most part, when you're starting a nonprofit, it's not profitable per personally. So I think if you're very passionate about the work that you do, like anything else, you're willing to, to put the time and the effort in because it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. But if you're happy with what you're doing, like that's what I find. I never count the hours that I put in because I'm just so happy doing it all the time. So going off from that, although you are passionate, how do you stay persistent, especially in the beginning? That's a little tough, right? Because you're going to get knocked down a lot. I know myself with porch communities, I'm so proud to say that we have 17. But quite honestly, I have pages and pages of folks who've reached out and then never, never followed through or for whatever reason, the timing wasn't right. Um, it's just having to always look at the upside and try to learn from every experience. Every time someone says no, I think to myself, not in a negative way, but what could I have done differently to encourage, you know, this individual to become a porch or what was it that didn't work out for them that I could discuss further with them? So I think if you take every negative as a learning opportunity, then it doesn't always seem so down. What would you say is the most rewarding part of working for porch? It is when we see the families who we are helping or the pantry directors who say that we've turned their operations around. Um, 
that that's it, right? So in, in Chapel Hill, when we have the food for families, you're actually delivering, right? You're seeing that family, you're seeing those children, you're seeing the parents who are so happy and so excited and relieved um, to be able to have food provided for them. And then other chapters who are focused mainly on bringing the food to the pantries and may not see the end recipient, but to see the pantry directors um, who say, we've had this a lot happen during COVID. We were closed during COVID because we did not have any donations. And then porch started and I was able to open my pantry back up. And now I'm back to helping these families. I, to me, there's just like, you, there's nothing that compares to that. That is just amazing to think that we have any little role in helping people help others get back on their feet. And what would you say the most challenging part is? I think probably um, volunteers can be challenging, like, you know, getting the word out and recruiting volunteers. That can be difficult. I think with us for our new chapters, I think it's a little bit of keeping their, um, keeping them engaged. Um, yeah. And to officially wrap up this interview, I got one more question. How can college students help to contribute to nonprofits like Porch? Oh, there's a lot of opportunities for college students. Um, one is to volunteer locally in Chapel Hill. That would be a great way, especially if they're local students here in Chapel Hill. And another way is we're thinking of launching something called Porch Light. And we're hoping that students would consider the opportunity of taking the idea of porch back to their hometowns, whether it's over the summer or over break, and see if they can find people locally who would be interested in helping them start a porch community. I know for students it's hard because right, you're you know, living at home and then you're coming into college and living in your dorms, well, in a non-COVID environment. But we're thinking that college students can really help us spread the word about porch and branch out to different communities that way. Thank you for being on our show today. And honestly, I really like the nonprofit scene. It just seems like you guys are doing something different than not everyone else is doing. Like the whole porch motto. I don't think I don't think I've heard any other nonprofit do something like that. And I don't know, I learned a lot from you, especially when you went to our class and explained all the nonprofit scene and also like I I learned a lot of things that I didn't know about. Like the fact that there were so many nonprofits and how many jobs it offered. So I just want to say thank you for opening my eyes to another sector of the world. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. That that your words made my day and nonprofit is amazing. And I I would encourage more students to take a look at nonprofits as, you know, potential job opportunities or volunteer opportunities, or as we mentioned, you know, students boards are, you know, we're always looking for people to be uh, board members in nonprofits and bring your skill set to a nonprofit that way. So a lot of opportunities. Thank you again for joining us today. To learn more about Porch and other passioners we have interviewed in this podcast and to see behind the scenes of how we create each of our episodes, follow our Instagram page at Passioners Podcast. Thank you again to Christine Cotton for inspiring us to follow our passions. This episode is edited and produced by Mike Garcia. The episode's art is by Lana Hatiomanovic. Social media photos and descriptions are by Claire Helms. The interview was conducted by Janice Kang and I. We use original music by Chiazo Ajila. In the next episode, Janice will interview Luca Lampraiello. I hope I didn't butcher that. But he's the man capable of speaking many languages. This one is definitely going to be worth the listen. 
Passioners Podcast tells the stories of passioners and their journeys. My name is Mike Garcia. Thanks for listening.